Welcome to the show today, guys. We have an exciting guest for you, Elizabeth Johnston, who has long been a viral, conservative, Christian mama bear, wouldn't want to cross her in the streets, conservative leader for life, liberty, and so much more. Uh, and you've probably been aware of her for, for quite some time. She's certainly uh, not new to the culture wars, uh, which, of course, we talk about in the show, are really just masquerades for a deeper spiritual warfare that is happening. And Elizabeth Johnson has that moral and spiritual clarity and has been calling the church to arms and off of the bench for some time. She's a speaker, blogger, podcast host, best-selling author, homeschooling mother of 10 children, and her viral videos and commentary have launched her to be a thought leader on an array of different causes of importance to families and people of faith. She's been featured by Fox, uh, the New York Times, Blaze, Christian Broadcasting Network, Fox and Friends, uh, and the pulse behind all of her activism and commentary, of course, is her love for her family and her Savior, Jesus Christ. And she joins the show today to discuss her new children's book, Little Lives Matter. Buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Seth, thank you for having me. But you wouldn't want to meet me on the street. I'm offended. <laughs> well, not as a leftist, I certainly wouldn't. Don't I look harmless? <laughs> and you, well, you've been a quite a target and an enemy of the activist media uh, and the and the leftists for some time. And uh, I, I've certainly come across some very nasty, um, disgusting, and untrue hit pieces on you. Um, but you've been faithful for a long time, and you really you you know, um, <laughs> you know who's really committed uh, to the battle by how the enemy treats them. Um, and uh, you have been ripped some new ones by the leftist mob, and uh, we couldn't be more grateful for your courage and your voice in this season. Um, but we we were talking Thanks. off air about uh, our, our worlds were smaller than I realized, and uh, yeah. we have some good friends with Love Life folks, uh, which I've been telling my listeners we're doing the big conference on January 29th, Love Life California, uh, and I didn't even know you were in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, a city that we need to uh, keep from becoming uh, the next L.A. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I attend church with some of the same people that you know, you're running with and, uh, yeah, just love the work of love life. And I, like you love to point people to the work that love life is doing, because, um, as, as you've said, you know, we might be the out front prophetic voice, you know, calling the entire nation to a certain battlefront. Uh, yet we don't necessarily, uh, have the, the time or the resources or the team to do the, uh, really nitty-gritty work that they are doing and right. love life. They are really being the hands and feet of Jesus. They are really um, an answer to the orphan crisis that yeah. the body of Christ, we need to be um, very involved in. And I, I just appreciate what they do so much at Love Life yeah. and, and yeah. Um, try to help them and partner with them any way I can. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I saw a, a clip of you speaking on abortion on, online years ago. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, that's a breath of fresh air. Um, wow. Because so many people who speak on the abortion issue, as you know, Elizabeth, whether they're pastors um, or sometimes people in the pro-life movement, there is this tendency to what I say sort of like sugarcoat the, the mm. pro-life message and sugarcoat mm -hmm. the truth. You're, you're not saying false things, 
but you're just not asserting the truth of the pro-life position and the evil of what we're fighting against. Uh, a genocide, a modern Molech. I mean, like, uh, yes. people don't speak about it as assertively and in, in, in a, I, I would say, a, as a disturbing way as we should. Um, and that mm -hmm. sort of, it, it, it gives permission for others to justify their apathy, to treat it mm. as something less than the genocide that it is. Um, but there, because there are so few figures who speak on the abortion issue with such moral clarity, I remember watching a clip mm. of you years ago and just being so encouraged that you were willing to go there and say the hard truths about mm. the issue so that what? So that you put that line in the sand and say, listen, mm. there, there really is no gray area here. There really is no, well, that's your battle, Elizabeth but I'm gonna mm. fight my battle, which is universal healthcare and Bernie Sanders' compassion. It's like, no, 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 like you have to pick sides. And so, um, but before we dive in more to, to your book and how you're fighting back, um, I have not ever heard, and that's probably just because I haven't done my due diligence, but I, have, I haven't heard your full story. And I, I always I'm, find that the, the most exciting to hear. And I think people ask me this all the time when I speak. It's like, Seth, how did you get here? Because people, people want to know. They're like, how did this happen? Yeah. And I think people would love to hear that from you, too. How did you go from uh, a homeschooling mom, just a, a woman who's doing her best job to raise her, kill, her children in the Lord, to being like, I'm actually going to start also going out onto the battlefield. How did God call yeah. you to action and how did you how did you establish yourself as the thought leader you are today? Yeah, um, you know, when Obama issued his transgender bathroom directive and I knew that 200 pound men who claimed to be women were going to be able to access the shower rooms, locker rooms and bathrooms of my little daughters, I no longer recognized my country and yeah. I had already been active in just, you know, going to abortion clinics with my children, praying outside of abortion clinics. We were already wow. very active as a family on the pro-life issue, and we had raised our children on the front lines of the abortion clinics. Um, but something happened with the whole transgender bathroom directive where I filmed my first video, mm. um, you know, thinking maybe my grandmother and my aunt would, you know, view it. <laughs> and right, right, right. gosh, like, it was so obvious a hundred million video views later that wow. there was a hunger in our culture for a bold and biblical response mm. to these issues and not just okay. tiptoeing around, but just speaking exactly. boldly on these issues. And I just kept doing it. And here we wow. are. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So that would have been what? 15, 2015. This was 2016, 2016. I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And wow. I mean, so many things happened after that. You know, people started sending me pornographic sex education that they were seeing in their children's um, public schools. And, and, you know, so I formed Sex Ed Sit Out, where we ended up doing a global sit out on Amazing. a certain day, hitting the schools in the, in the pocketbook. Um, yeah. affecting their bottom line and saying, we are not okay with you pandering obscenity to minors. Um, Teen Vogue uh, started yeah. teaching kids how to sodomize one another. I, I you know, we did a little bonfire and burned a copy of Teen Vogue magazine and said, parents, this is filth. Get it out of the stores and the libraries. You know, I was mocked ruthlessly, called a Nazi book burner, and 16 <laughs> million video views later on that one, you know, we had a full-fledged campaign called Operation Pull Teen Vogue. I mean, I'm a homeschool mom doing this stuff. Right, right, right. I had no money. I, I'm not like, you know, 
paying or marketing any of this to anyone. Wow. Um, it's just, it's a, I just want to tell your listeners that it's amazing what one voice can do if you will just mm. not be bullied and silenced by the radical That's left. Right. If That's you right. will rise up and be a Daniel, a Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in your age and your time, right. um, you will be blown away by what God That's will right. do with your voice. That's amazing. That's <laughs> such a good word, Elizabeth, because um, people have a tendency to look to others, perhaps like you, to say what they want to say but are too afraid to say, or feel like they don't have the words to articulate it like you do. But no one does when they start, right? That's the no. whole point. It's like everyone has a voice and everyone should be using that voice. And in fact, in fact, the, the, the more often you don't use your voice, the more often you don't speak the truth and, and you yeah. allow a lie to slip by unaddressed, unacknowledged, unopposed, not only does society continue to decay, right, because of your cowardice, but you begin to decay as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, so true. And, and that And so I, I, it reminds me of the line from um, the screw tape letters, where screw tape mm-hmm. is telling Wormwood, he says, as the humans have said, active habits are strengthened by repetition, but passive ones are weakened. The more Mm. often he feels without acting, the less he will be able ever to act. And in the long run, the less he will be able to feel. Meaning your Mm. moral fiber and your conscience will actually become seared through your silence and your apathy until you don't even feel bad about the evil Mm. that you see because you weren't exercising your voice. So just as physical atrophy occurs through not using your muscles, moral atrophy occurs Mm. through not using your voice. But you have been using your voice for so long, which is why um, you're such a a behemoth in in the worldview space um, as an Ezekiel. And I love your story because that means you've you've been blowing the trumpet since before the rest of Christendom in America woke up in, in what, uh, I don't know, COVID, and said, oh, uh, maybe we need to start contending in the public square because I don't recognize Oops. my country anymore. But you, yeah, were, yeah. you were years ahead of that curve saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. Um, on that point then, there. Elizabeth, um, you have been doing a lot. And uh, this new book here I want to talk about, um, this, is, this is one of the many ways that you're fighting back against the radical left, against the indoctrination of children with the ridiculous sex ed, quote unquote, that the left puts in our schools, the type of books in our schools, you were a mama bear uh, blasting school boards in the culture of death before it became cool to be that and before Merrick Garland labeled you a domestic terrorist. So um, (laughs) tell us about uh, this new venture. This book is called Little Lives Matter. Tell us about how all this happened, why you wrote it and what it's about. Yeah, Little Lives Matter is such a gorgeous story um, that I worked with Brave Books on. It is a story about a little bear named Moby and his mom. And Moby is born without uh, one of his um, paws. And so he's um, disabled or however you would want to want to say it. Um, especially abled, I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, he is special. He's born special and what uh, would be considered with a disability. And uh, Culture the Vulture comes around, and it's an actual bird in the book. 
and tells mom that (laughs) Moby's life is not worth living and tries to get mom to snuff out Moby's life. Mom does not listen, and Mama Bear lets a culture the vulture know in, in no uncertain terms that she's, you know, sticking by uh, her child, Moby, and that Moby has intrinsic value. His life has intrinsic value, and that all life has intrinsic value. And uh, so this story is just so beautiful. She uh, obviously chooses life for, for Moby, and Moby has a full uh, life. And then Moby is caring for his dying, aging and dying mother at the end of the book. And Coulter the Vulture comes back around again and tries to tell Moby this time that mom's life has no value. And of course, Moby kicks Coulter the Vulture out of the picture. And um, and they, you know, Moby continues to be a, a good uh, son to his mother, Ugh, I mean, it makes me cry every time I read the book. Yeah. It is just yeah. so beautiful. It's not in your face. It's not propaganda. It's not indoctrination. Yeah, it is yeah. this beautiful, heartwarming, <laughs> um, colorful, beautifully illustrated children's book that helps you have a conversation about the sanctity of human life and your child doesn't even know they're having this conversation. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't help but notice, uh, Elizabeth, when I first read this book, how you connected the same ideology that drives abortion with yeah. the ideology that drives eugenics or yes. euthanasia. Do you want to talk yes. a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a neat thing. It, it addresses the value of life at the beginning of life in the case of disability uh, and at the end of life. I, I just couldn't be happier about us being able to get that message across in the book. Um, obviously, there's a huge risk for children with disabilities, unborn children with, you know, Down syndrome and whatnot. Uh, the statistics show they are far more likely yeah. to be murdered. And so uh, this is just a beautiful project. At the end, it has games you can play with the kids. Um, I, I remember sitting and, and doing one of the activities with my children. And remember, my kids are frontline warriors, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, <laughs> they're used to very in-your-face um, frontline activism with their, with their mom. And we were having a conversation that I was realizing, whoa, I should have been having this conversation with them. We're unpacking Mm. some things based on the activities we had in the back of the resources we had in the back of that book that even I, as an activist mother, um, had not really unpacked with my own children. And so Mm. here I was getting like blown away by my own book (laughs) and then, you know, the activities and a conversation with my own kids. So definitely take the time to do that. This is something that I think um, Sunday schools and children's churches, you could be buying this book and doing these projects with the the, um, classes um, in Christian school teachers should be doing these, uh, reading this book aloud. I mean, what teacher, what elementary teacher doesn't love an excellent read aloud? You know, I I was actually an elementary teacher myself. Um, That was what my degree was in. And we were crazy about a good read aloud, you know? (laughs) That's awesome. Um, well, you know, we are seeing a little bit of an, of an uprising with conservative and, and Christian leaders in, in, the, um, in the educational space because people mm-hmm. are finally waking up and realizing, wow, we've abandoned that sphere, that battlefront for so long that now moms are literally finding porn, essentially, yeah. uh, in a literature and or uh, 
photograph form snuck into children's <laughs> book, which if it weren't for the obscenity exemption laws in most of our states um, that apply to schools, um, they could be sued for that type of content. But because so many of our schools are under the obscenity exemption law, they can get away with showing the same content that if they had done like in their neighbor's house to their neighbor's kids, uh, they could be criminally prosecuted. It's, it's disgusting. Um, it's and infuriating. We had, we had Matt Walsh's book recently um, responding to the transgender um, movement or moment uh, that's been selling like bonkers. Um, and, and now you have this one on life as well. But I loved how you connected the two, Elizabeth, because I've often asked people, give me one argument for abortion that doesn't also work as an argument to justify killing cognitively disabled patients. Um, yeah. or, or, you know, because it's the same worldview. You're a burden, you don't function like me, you don't have the type of utility uh, that you can provide to the rest of us and to society um, that, that I say you need to in order to have value, therefore you're not a person. Um, and then you certainly connected the idea of unwanted or a burden. Um, the mom is all a burden at stuff, the end, and the is baby connected. is a burden. It's all connected, yeah. Um, yeah. Could, uh, I, if I may, could I read one of these sentences here? Yes, please. Okay, so I, I love this, guys. You guys got to go get this book for, for your kids or grandkids. So, and I love it that you called him Culture the Vulture, because our culture really is a vulture today. I mean, it, yes. it, is, it is looking to kill um, innocents or prey on those who are already dying. <laughs> Um, so the, 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 the culture of the vulture is telling um, the mom to, to, to leave Moby, don't raise the baby. And she says, go away, let us be. My life may be hard, but my son's still my son, and I love him even more than all the treetops filled with fun. You say if I leave, then my life will be free. But it's my son's life, not mine, that means most to me. And yeah, it's hard not to cry. I mean, that's such a powerful <laughs> line, Elizabeth, because that is the very heart of the abortion debate, which is that mm -hmm. it may still be a human being, Elizabeth. It may still be a life, but it's my life as the mother. It's my life as the father who's paying for the abortion that matters the most to me. So my right. desires, my vision of the good life takes precedent over the life of an actual human being, a baby, which I probably consented to create if it wasn't a case of mm -hmm. rape, which I probably consented right. to create because I believe the serpent in Genesis 3 that I shall be as gods and I get to decide mm -hmm. who lives and who dies. And it's such a simple line and it's such a simple truth, but it's all the more powerful because of it. Parents should sacrifice their desires in order to protect their children's rights. Not their children's mm. desires, their children's rights. Children have a natural right to life. And if you don't get that right right, you won't get any other rights right. Uh, so right. I just, I wanted to just thank you. I, I, I hope we can get this into as many youth groups and schools and Sunday schools as possible because it is beautifully written, it's well done. Um, and because the left understands that if you can get children while they're young, they'll serve you forever. Right, right. And we've given your listeners a code, a special code to get, I believe, a 20% discount off. And that is, oh, wow. uh, the code is unaborted. Okay, wonderful, awesome. Okay, unaborted. Yeah. Well, there you go. We'll put that in the show notes so you guys can pick up <laughs> some you. of these. Late Christmas gifts, um, but it really doesn't matter. You need to get this um, either way. Um, by the way, just for fun, there are other books in this in the saga 
gender identity, capitalism, cancel culture, critical race theory, the right to bear arms, but you only get a discount code for Little Lives Matter. So uh, go pick it up. Um, Elizabeth, um, before we sort of close out the show today, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to hear from you a little bit about a story that I, I, I saw a, a while back from you. Um, and I think it would just be a powerful story for people to understand, again, your heart, your commitment to life. I saw mm -hmm. the story from you, I think, last year where you threw a baby shower for mm -hmm. a mother whose child you helped save by talking her down from an abortion. Um, do you want to yeah. share a little bit about your activism actually on the streets and what God does when we show up? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You can go out to an abortion clinic and just silently be there and pray and make yourself available and wave at the men and women as they come in and offer to talk with them and have maybe a piece of literature in your hand that shows the development of the um, baby inside the mother's womb so that you can say, hey, do you want to talk and say, um, you know, what are you going through? Can I help you in any way? Or do you know how... Uh, are you pregnant? How old your baby is? And she says, yeah, I'm six weeks or I'm eight weeks. You can show her a picture. This is what your baby is like right now. And, you know, we have a free um, ultrasounds available out there at the RV, uh, right outside the abortion clinic that we're offering to the women. And sometimes you'll go out there days and days and no one will stop to talk to you. Sometimes you'll go out there and in one day, four women will stop and talk to you and you will literally see multiple babies' lives saved in that one time out there in just a couple of hours. And so you never know what's going to happen. I literally never know what I'm going to say. I have to pray for the Holy Spirit to show me what to say, just like you, everybody else out there. That's right. And uh, I, I, sometimes a woman will stop in her car, roll down a window, and a life is saved in the next five minutes. Yeah. And I'm just as flabbergasted as you are, you know, yeah. and, and God uses you. If you will just show up, he will show out. And yeah, you know, we'll We'll walk this woman through. We'll throw her a baby shower. Um, we'll have gifts right there ready, wrapped to say, wow. praise God. You know, we want to love you through this. Here's a gift for your child. Uh, just last night, Seth, I got a direct message and a private message in my Instagram. And uh, the woman said, I was in the army and I got pregnant. And she said, um, I was horrified and someone actually in the army scheduled her appointment. I think like someone over her scheduled her appointment to abort oh her baby. My gosh. <laughs> and she said, I was in the clinic on the table and she said, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw something you posted on Instagram and I got up off the table and I left no and I chose way. life for my baby. Wow. And she was, oh listen to this, listen to this. If that doesn't give you chill bombs, she was pregnant with twins. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> and so like, you know, no guys, wow. guys, your voice is so yeah. important. I mean, I will never know until heaven how many babies have lived because mm -hmm. we were not afraid to right. speak the truth in love, to offer help and hope to moms and dads going into the clinics, to post content on social media that that we were not afraid that we were going to get you know banned or targeted. Um, okay. I love your story. You were you were laughing about how people um, are afraid to speak up, and you were quoting from C.S. Lewis. You know, people come up to me at like speaking engagements and stuff, and they say, 
you know, they whisper and they say, hey, I can't, I can't do anything about this, but will you do something about this? And they'll pull me <laughs> off the side and try to get me to deal with some issue. They're doing, right, right. And I'm like, um, I got... I got a death threat last week saying that me and my children should have bullets put through our head. Like, you want me to risk my life and my children's life right, for right. your cause, and you're not willing to do something for your cause, you know? <laughs> Come on. We've all, right, got, right. we've all got to be a voice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a powerful. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Because it, it really is that simple, isn't it? It really is that simple. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the Good Samaritan uh, could have complicated... Um, seeing this bleeding man on the side of the road. It's not my calling. I, I, actually, I'm headed to a soup kitchen right now to help <laughs> serve the poor, and then i got to prep my sermon for the synagogue the next day. Well, I mean, he's a, uh, he's a Samaritan, right. but you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, right. but it's really just that simple, except it's so easy for us to justify our apathy because we're not actually seeing uh, the bleeding victims on the side of the road like the Good Samaritan did. So we can distance ourselves from it, hide it away, and yet we have been like the Good Samaritan. We have walked by, driven by, on the other side mm -hmm. of the road where our neighbors are about to be killed. We, can, we already know where it happens. We can show mm -hmm. up and save these children's lives. And of course, you got to contend politically and we got to get godly men and women elected as well. It's yes. two different battlefronts. But, um, but the abdication that's been happening from the church for so many decades is why we're in the position we're in right now. I believe that the last 18, 19 months, Elizabeth, with the vaccine mandates, with people getting fired for not wanting to get an experimental vaccine tested with aborted baby cell lines, even though they already have natural immunity, is all just part and parcel of the judgment of God on this country for mm. abortion. We've been, we've been uh, sowing bloodshed in the womb and now we're reaping it in the streets. Um, and, yes. and this, more than any issue, is certainly why uh, God will, if he hasn't already turned his back uh, on America. Um, but right. thank you for sharing that story. That's just so beautiful. Two babies, two human beings, simply mm. because you spoke up and spoke out. Oh, but Elizabeth, I don't have as big of a following on social media. It doesn't matter. We've heard stories all yeah. the time of babies being saved by people who don't even have a Facebook account because they were willing yeah. to use their voice and be courageous. And that united front of righteousness contending in the public square is what will save this country and save the lives of, of these babies. So thank you, Elizabeth, for what you're doing. Um, uh, what are you up to next? Is your speaking schedule bonkers? Um, what's new for you this year? Yeah, COVID really affected the speaking schedule. And so uh, with, the, with the lack of large events taking place, we pivoted yeah. and started the podcast. And so I have a podcast wonderful. called Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston, and uh, we have wonderful guests. We've had people like um, Lila Rose from Live Action and yeah. the CEO of Promise Keepers, uh, Ken Harrison. Um, how many know that abortion is definitely a men's issue? And so we need yeah. men to, to be vocal on, on this as well and do their part. Um, so we have great guests on Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston and encourage all of uh, your uh, watchers, viewers, listeners to go, um, go awesome. check that out. It's on uh, Amazon and the podcast app, the Apple app, and cool. my YouTube channel as well. Wonderful. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, you can connect with Elizabeth at uh, <clears throat> www.elizabethjohnston.org as well as on Instagram, Facebook. Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, you guys, Elizabeth has been contending 
um, for a lot longer uh, than the recently awoken people who, who uh, suddenly <laughs> care about uh, saving the country before it's too late. And so she speaks from uh, moral and spiritual authority, but also from experience. So uh, go check out her podcast. Again, the code is uh, unaborted for uh, a discount on the book, Little Lives Matter. We encourage you guys to go get it. This is a very simple way to fight back uh, and mm -hmm. uh, ensure that we're fighting the short game of saving babies and contending politically, but most importantly, the long game by ensuring yes. that we're pouring into the next generation. And I'll leave you with this. And then if you have a closing comment, Elizabeth, certainly do this. I, I've been reading uh, some of Thomas Paine recently. Um, and you know he wrote Common Sense. He argued for American independence uh, pre-1776. But he has this very simple line about this same point. He simply says, if trouble may come, let it come in my day so mm -hmm. that my children may know peace. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so the rights and liberties that we abandon today will be the rights and liberties that our grandchildren never knew existed. Um, yep. And so thank you for contending for the kids, uh, both um, pre-born and born. It's an honor. It's a duty. And That's I right. consider it uh, just just doing my duty. And thank you, Seth, for all that you were doing in the culture. Um, it was an honor to to be on your show. God bless you guys. You too, Elizabeth. Thanks. We'll see you soon. Thank you guys for joining the show today. Um, if you want to connect with Elizabeth, follow her on social media. Um, if you want to book her for an event, as all of our schedules start opening up again, go to her website, Elizabeth Johnston, uh, and that was .org, and get the book, Little Lives Matter. Share this episode uh, with your friends, family, and encourage one another to stand. It really is that simple. Speak truth, speak it all the time, never let a lie go past unaddressed, and who knows, you may just end up saving a human being from a dismemberment that their mother has scheduled on the calendar. And what a greater gift or incense you could give our Savior before you stand before him that day than saying that you were saving his children from the genocide that Satan was wielding against them. Thanks so much for joining the show today, guys. Go to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter, to see my speaking schedule, or to book me for an event for 2022 as my calendar is filling up quickly. And if you want to support the show and help us expand the production value, number of episodes, and type of content we create in this very important moment, head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted to check out our tiers and perks that you get for supporting the show. We appreciate it a lot. And we'll see you next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.